0: It's time for School Days. Help for moms and dads of school-aged kids.
1: I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright.
2: Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given
0: the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out there and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids. But I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here are your hosts, David and Danita Bailey. Well, welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I'm Danita Bailey.
1: And I'm David Bailey.
0: As the saying goes, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Summer vacation has begun. Yay! And many parents of school-aged kids are trying to figure out how to balance screen time and maybe, just maybe, get their kids to read and even learn this summer. So this is kind of a hectic time for David and me and probably a lot of you out there. Uh, We both work for ourselves, so we're at home a lot and at our office, and we're having to figure out creative ways to keep our kids occupied that don't include watching TV all day. So what did you do over summer breaks when you were younger?
1: Not much. I mean, I I did sports. Um, I... Did competitive swimming. Uh, I played. No, I didn't do a, a lot of summer soccer, but um, I just did a, lot, a lot, a lot, of hanging out uh, earlier. And then when I really, you know, had my goals set on where I wanted to go to college, I made some sacrifices and went to summer school to get ahead, um, sp- particularly in mathematics. Uh, I took algebra one between eighth and ninth grade. Um, and then in high school, really in high school, I really got involved in academics. Uh, I was involved in some pre-college programs and spent my days going to the University of Pittsburgh and another uh, college near, near me called Duquesne University. And I was in class all day long, uh, learning and getting ahead. And that's really where I could really learn how to write and, you know, really get stronger heading into the next school year. Well, Wow. Yeah. I was really loafing. <laughs> what <were> you <laughs> doing, man? Well, I know what you were doing. Good gravy. You, uh, hey, hey, guys, uh, 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 people out there listening. Uh, my wife, uh, she uh, loves to clean. <laughs> and what she would do is she would get a cleaning cart, <laughs> literally. Well, how are you, 12, 13? Yeah. Yeah. And walk around every day and clean the house. And then we wonder why our first year was so hard of marriage well I yeah mean. yeah <laughs> apart from a lady who used to clean the, with a car all day long to to me and you know i wasn't quite that tidy so well
0: i had to do something to keep myself busy but i, I did other things i mean i didn't <laughs> just clean all the time which i don't know why you have a problem with that Mm. I mean, I wish our kids would clean the house all day long. But at thirteen, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, okay, yeah. you can hate on that all <laughs> you want, but no. I mean, I went to the occasional camp. I was super, super. I sh- am still actually shy, but I was really shy, and so I I went to a couple of camps, but those didn't exactly work out. And I was mostly just watching TV. And yes, I was cleaning. Um, and swimming, I didn't, I don't remember really learning or doing any reading at all in the summertime. Oh, yeah. So you, you made me look like a real slacker. Oh, well, I'm Taking algebra
1: in the summertime? Well, I was, you know, I was applying to the, I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy, so I had to get on the advanced math track. And so (laughs) that's why I did it. And uh, and I, and I walked, I literally walked to school both ways, um, in the summertime. And it was about a good six or seven miles away. So my dad we only had one car and my dad was at work. So I, yeah, it was sacrifice. I wasn't messing around. I, I was no, on a you mission. you weren't. Yeah, and I had my paper out too. I sound kind of nerdy, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Don't don't you laugh at me? Don't I you laugh totally at me? I relate. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Hey, but it worked. Hey, hey, that that was thirty dollars a week. That was good money back then. And then at Christmas time, I would clean up. Anyway, you you laugh kind of hard, babe. You laugh really. You laugh a little too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
0: I love you though. No, thank you, babe. Well. <laughs> Before we go any further and get any more <laughs> off track here, I do want to say that it does take a village. So if you hear a great parenting tip uh, or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I
1: am school days.
0: So, Dave, who's with us today?
1: All right. So uh, joining us on the phone, this is our first phone guest from Baltimore, Maryland, is Aaron Phillip Dworkin, um, a formerly of the Afterschool National Summer Learning Association, um, and just came on as the new Chief Executive Officer uh, of the um, National, National Summer Learning <laughs> Association. Um, it's the second at, day. Yes, second. Yeah, this is day two. Uh, so, uh, mm-hmm. welcome. We're really glad you're here. Um, Aaron has been deeply committed to closing educational uh, and opportunity gaps for young people through high-quality out- out-of-school time programs for two decades. Aaron joins the National Summer Learning Academy, having most recently served as president of the After School All Stars National Network, a nonprofit organization providing free after-school and summer programs to 90,000 low-income students. in in over 450 Title I schools in 20 major cities across the United States. Um, He's a frequent presenter at National Education Conferences, a graduate of Tufts University, a former Coro Fellow in Public Affairs and holds a Master's Degree from Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs and Harvard University Graduate School of Education. He is a member of the 2019 Class of Leadership, uh, Greater Washington, Greater uh, Washington and serves on the national board of directors of the American Camp Association. So we're really glad you're here Aaron and looking forward to hearing your insights.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And also joining us in the studio is Julie Miller. And Julie is the Executive Director of Curriculum Instruction for Irving ISD, where she served in various positions for 22 years. Prior to this role, she served as Executive Director of PK5 Schools. She was a principal at three schools, an assistant principal and teacher, and a Dean of Students. Uh, Ms. Miller earned both a bachelor's and master's degree in education from the University of North Texas, where she was a Meadows Scholar graduate, and she continued her studies at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California, and earned a master's degree in administration. So thanks for joining us in the studio, Julie. Thank you for having me. All right. So we want to ask you, Aaron, tell us what the National Summer Learning Association is.
3: Great. Uh, so thanks again for having us and uh, so the National Summer Learning Association is the leading national organization focused on closing achievement and opportunity gaps across the country for kids, uh, especially during the summer. And uh, we know that there are just so many kids who do have resources and are very fortunate in the summer to keep their learning going and experiencing wonderful opportunities uh, learning about STEM and literacy and health and academic support. And then there are millions of kids who do not have that same opportunity. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, they are left alone. They are not put in programs. They don't know about them. They don't have the resources. And they actually fall behind. And there's research for now we've celebrated our 25th 50 so There's a lot of research out there that shows something called the summer slide and summer learning loss where kids can end up two to three months behind uh, when they show back up in school in September because they just haven't been able to exercise their minds the same way as their peers are so we're focused on uh, highlighting this issue and this problem and offering solutions and advocating and supporting folks on the ground who are trying to create new programs and create more spots for these kids and their families and so that's a big thing we celebrate uh, the best programs out there that we can, and we try to have them held up as a model. We advocate with policymakers at school districts and mayors and governors to make sure that they put more funding into this, and we communicate out to the field what are the best practices and the best ways to to start programs and to keep elevating them and making sure that they do more for kids.
0: Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your work. This is a um, an issue that we need to put more focus on, and I'm so great that you guys are doing some training and helping us have the best programs out there for our students. So, Julie, what are your responsibilities as Executive Director of Curriculum Instruction? What What do you guys do? do?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really great question because I've had the job for a month, so I'm still learning myself. (gasps) Uh, But, I mean, the state gives us a a list of all the standards that students must master by the time they finish each course, pre-kindergarten through 12th grade. Every single class has a list of things students should learn they just give us a long list we have nice. to take that list put it in some sort of order um, create a course that matches that addresses all the learning standards in the list align all the resources that we have available to us to those courses and then it's curriculum that's the curriculum side but in my department it's also and instruction Mm -hmm. so when we also work on the what are the best practices that would allow the best tools that we can give to teachers to ensure that they can uh, teach this written curriculum in a way that is uh, effective for students and we keep all that aligned and adjusted um, for over 180 or so courses Mm -hmm. not including all of our band choir orchestra all the uh, fine arts Mm -hmm. and you're in charge of
1: all that yes sir Mm. (laughs) yeah that's what i say
0: (laughs) 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 yes so both of you tell us what impact does summer learning loss have on classrooms once they resume in the fall either one of you (laughs) okay uh well i mean
2: i'm in irving isd as you said earlier um the majority of our students are low-income students without the resources that uh were mentioned already previously so um our children are very capable learners but they come to school from the outset behind um linguistic their language isn't as well developed they uh and many of our kids um English is not their first language and school is a very language oriented right. situation, you know, right. so, uh, so they come without those uh, initial resources and they make great progress all year long mm-hmm. and almost catch up to their um, more uh, resourced peers. And then we go home for the summer, and they fall back two or three more months. And then when they come back, they're less, at, they're they're further behind. And then they almost then they make really great progress, but they don't catch up quite enough. And then they go home for the next summer. And so every summer that they go home and lose a month or two of learning, they come back just a little bit further further and further behind and the effect can be devastating if we don't do something to support them because again their capacity to learn is equal to any child right. anywhere absolutely and they their right to learn is equal to mm-hmm. any child anywhere so it's just a matter of uh, making sure that we apply our resources or help parents know where those resources are to ensure that loss doesn't occur
1: mm-hmm and what are your
3: thoughts yes, sir. Sure. Well, I, I agree with what Julie was saying. I'd also say that not only are we seeing that there's a, uh, a drop-off uh, in the skills but in the summer months, almost you know, in the three months of reading uh, or math skill loss, but that it's cumulative. It adds up right. over time.
4: Yeah. Right. So
3: if you have this every summer, you can end up being two to three years behind your peers because they've had all this extra learning opportunity that you haven't. So it's not only what happens right now, this summer, as we are in the present moment, but also over time. But I would also say there's academic gaps that we're addressing, but also what we were talking about before is the opportunity gaps. So the summer is when kids get to go have these new experiences. Maybe you're hanging out at your grandmother's farm for the first time, and you're helping out and learning about animals or planting, or maybe you're taking a trip with your family, or you get these experiences that kids who have more resources are getting. And that gives them a broader view. All of a sudden what they're learning makes sense and they can connect it. They've learned about careers. They've learned they've met mentors. They've had camp counselors who are in college who they look up to who are talking to them about college every day mm. over their summer. And so, hey, now you come back in sixth grade, boy, I can't wait to do well in school because I want to go to college with my camp counselor who tells me it's so great. So there's all these other social emotional learning benefits. Uh, academic benefits, opportunity gaps that we're closing. And also, I just want to highlight the very immediate need that a summer program addresses around meals. And mm-hmm. there's millions of kids who go hungry in the summer mm-hmm. who they're on the free and reduced lunch program every day at school being fed, and then that stops. And if they're not in a program, they might not eat. And so all these summer programs that we're lobbying to make sure have funding or advocating for, whether it's at a museum or whether it's in a library or parks and rec, you know, they're not only helping the kids academically, but they're helping them be fed and and having their basic needs met. So there's just so much uh, that we're addressing. But if I may, I'll just say one other quick thing where I think it matters, which is it's not only that we're trying to close gaps and have people, um, you know, catch up, but we're also trying to help families and kids uh, propel forward and improve. Right. And I when I think about this work and David, you were talking about earlier all the things you did over the summer that really helps you improve uh, your skills and not just, like, catch up, right? So right. I think about, in ba- I played high school basketball, and my coach always used to say, no one gets better during the season. The kids who show up next year that are stars, it's because they put in the work and the time over the summer mm-hmm. yeah. That's when you improve.
4: Yeah. And then
3: you see those results during the season. I think that applies to what we're talking about with the kids we're trying to serve. That if they put in effort and join one of these amazing programs that we have all across our country and our communities, then you'll see the results during the school year. Um,
1: Just as a really quick aside, uh, my first, uh, as many people know, my first experience teaching was in a Title I school and I taught eighth grade math and um, I'm coming in with a lot of assumptions about what students should know in eighth grade. And I'm teaching, and I, me- I remember this so clearly. I remember teaching, and it was some problem, and I said, what's 8 times 7? And mind you, this is 8th graders. It was crickets. They were looking at me like I was crazy. And I was thinking, how in the world could a student in 8th grade not know 8 times 7? Um, and then to contrast it, I taught um, at another school, a high-performing school, and I had and I taught 4th graders there. And a lot of my fourth graders could have run circles around the eighth graders that yeah. I taught. Uh, these kids are just high flyers. I mean, we would do we would do pre-assessments in August on what they were going to test for in April and May for the state exams. And they were already scored in hundreds. In August, before I even taught the stuff, <laughs> so in uh, you know, and the parents are—they really made an investment in their children. So you know, I've seen both worlds, and it really—it really does make an impact when there's that support, and when they don't have the support.
0: So, David, how much time? I know we've we've talked about this before. So, in the fall, when you start school, do you get to just start the new, you know, what eighth grade um, curriculum, or do you have to? Is there any reteaching that? Is required because of summer learning loss
1: oh yeah i mean in the beginning it, it's just trying to kick kick the kick the summer rust off because they haven't been in that thinking mode necessarily um and just a lot of review it's a the first about the good at least the first month uh, just to six weeks, uh, is yeah. yeah it's focusing on almost exclusively review and then there's a lot of review we have to do throughout the year because they never really mastered it from the year prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so depending upon what class I was in and what the content was, I had to do a lot of spiraling, which means basically going back and making sure that they got the foundation that they should have had the year prior, just to be able to do the math we have to do this year, right. on top of learning how to do it in a word problem context. So there's a lot of you know a lot of factors that are going in and. I had kids who just weren't. They, they were struggling, so I had to pull kids aside and work with them individually because you know I shouldn't hold the other kids back because they got it. So it's it's a, it's a very complicated dynamic in the classroom. You have kids that are soaring and kids that are kind of on level and kids that are that are really struggling, and we have to educate to all of them. And that's what the struggle of every you know, Julia. I'm sure you know that's that's what your job is. How do you help mm-hmm. to equip these teachers to do that? Um, So anyway.
0: So you don't get to hit the ground running as a teacher in the in the fall. You Mm -hmm. have to reteach a lot of the stuff that they learned that they lost
1: over the summer. Yeah, especially in math. I know, especially in math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So
0: Aaron and Julie, in your opinion, since you know summer learning loss is such an issue, does that make a good case for year-round school?
2: Go ahead, Aaron.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You want me? I, I, I will say no. It's not that we want year-round school. We want year-round learning, and I think people there's something special about summer. I mean, there are summer school programs, or school-based programs, and even those programs we want to see, you know, take on a different feel of, you know, not just punishment and not just more of the same, but that there are these great new experiences. And again, it does fall along a class lines. I mean. When we talk, when you hear about people discussing year-round school, they're not talking about it for middle and upper middle class kids. Mm. Mm, they're only talking about it for low-income kids.
4: Interesting. And
3: if you were a middle and upper middle class person, you wouldn't want your your child to be sitting in, uh, in a hot classroom for another three months. Now, now it's okay if they're being taught in, in, a, in a creative way, a hands-on way, a different way where they could build more relationships and have smaller classroom sizes and... More hands-on experiences and maybe less uh, pressure and less uh, punitive. So, I, I think we want the name of our organization is Summer Learning Association. We want we don't we don't want it to just be cupcakes and, and hanging, and playing, and doing nothing and hanging right. out. And, but we want everybody to be taking their advantage of their time. And you have more time, by the way. That's also the very big power of summer. It's not just. Um, a couple hours after school or what they have to get done in the, in the school day. There's so many requirements it's that you have this flexibility to, do, uh, to explore different areas that you might not have otherwise. So entrepreneurship, STEM, whether it's dance, art, music, all these amazing things, health, uh, nature. So there's so many topics that you want to get to that we don't always have time during the school year, but during the summer there's some real availability around that. And I just wanted to just put out a plug that one of the way, places where you can see all this on display is July 8th through 13th. Our organization is uh, helping coordinate something called National Summer Learning Week. There will be almost a 1,000 different events uh, across the country where people are celebrating the importance and raising awareness of, of learning more over the summer and taking ownership of your own learning. And there, every day there will be a different focus area, whether it's arts or STEM or college, career readiness, nutrition, wellness. And, and one last thing that I'll just mention to you is about workforce development and career exploration. Mm, yeah. So, so many, if you think about summer internships, which everyone needs in this day and age in order to get a real job, that is a form of summer learning. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you have an intern sitting there with you right now. Yeah. Yeah, a hey Maya, radio shout out talk. to Maya. And, right, she <laughs> hey, might not hey. be able to <laughs> do it during the school year. And so, similarly, you look at all these kids, and that's a step. And if you look on Capitol Hill and all the people who work for their senators or congressmen, uh, too often those internships are unpaid, and that is also very uh, punitive and you know discriminatory, in my opinion. Uh, but we want to make sure that people know that there is these summer learning work experiences that we need to make sure kids have the funding to do and that all kids have the chance to experience.
2: I'd like to, uh, you mentioned earlier, like going down to grandma's house. I mean, there's so much that we learn outside of school. I mean, if school were the only place that we ever learned anything, then children would get to kindergarten as a completely blank canvas. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens. But in order for kids to really um, excel in school, reading and speaking and listening, the, the language arts, it's so critical. And if you have very limited background, very limited experiences, we have students who going to the other side of the freeway in Irving, It has never happened to them. Wow. Uh, Wow. Because, I mean, they they just, they don't go, they don't see things. They don't do things. But so when you read a book, it's a completely foreign experience. So that also compounds the learning differences that can occur. So I really like what you said, Aaron, about it's not just, it's it's not just about math facts and, and science facts. And there's so much of the world to learn. It's not just school learning that we should support children and their experiences
3: with. And if I thank you, you know, I agree with you, and also that just to reemphasize that point, there's also context. So if you're taking a standardized test in high school
4: mm-hmm. and it
3: says, you know, in Paris at the Louvre Museum, there's that, you know, now maybe you could read it, but you don't even know what they're talking about, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because right. maybe you you haven't been to a museum or you don't know about. Where Paris is, you know, there's like all these other context clues that help kids, you know, understand the world around them. That, again, more experience in the summer can maybe, you know, broaden mm-hmm. their minds and horizons, and then prepare them uh, to connect dots.
0: Um. So if I'm a a mom um, that does, that is of a middle class. Um, family? Do I still or a mom, or a dad? <laughs> I'm just a mom. <laughs> um, oh, but so do are, I need are you something to? Else? Right? <laughs> if you're a mom, no. I'm saying, those <laughs> listening, uh, do you? I need to be concerned about summer learning loss. Does it just affect low-income kids, or does it also affect? Does it affect all kids? Is my question. Well, if you're not careful, it can affect all kids, right? Um, it's the
2: middle income, high income students tend to have the ready at hand resources. They Mm -hmm. have an at home library. They have parents who talk to them about their books and take them to museums and take them on vacations to trips and have been further than across the freeway to the, Mm -hmm. to the local supermarket. Um, so, so that the learning happens. Um, I, I grew up in a poor family, but my parents were well, very well educated. My parents mm. were both educators, so they, mm. so, um, it, we, we had resources available to us, and they took us places, and they talked to us about things. That's a great way to learn things. Your parents know all kinds of things. Just right. talk to your children about the, thing, the experiences and, and what you're learning, and, and that makes a big difference. But those kinds of resources aren't always as readily available for lower-income students, so the impact of summer learning can be a l- more harsh right
1: um, I, I remember yeah. uh, w- one of my uh, students I uh, coached this was years ago now uh, lived in a very affluent area of Dallas um, it just on on the just on the flip side of it is you know I think no matter where you are that if you're not actively engaging with your children uh, no matter what your socioeconomic status that it can be a challenge I mean this kid lived in a beautiful beautiful home a mm-hmm. huge home uh, but he was by himself all the time because his parents were working Mm -hmm. all the time uh to accumulate the you know to accumulate uh the lifestyle that they were living but he was not getting any support at all i mean i remember he was he was eating uh what snackables for dinner? I mean, a snackable, a lunchable, lunch, lunchable. Oh, okay, yeah, well, one of the, you know, one of those bowls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: something
1: unhealthy. Yeah, and and it just broke my heart, you know. So I, I've seen it on both ends, where you know, it, so just the importance of having that that support and encouragement um, is is critical, uh, no matter where you are, because sometimes work can get in the way, or you know, just busyness of life, and mm-hmm. and you look up and you know, you're not getting the support you need. So what what, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, can I just also agree with you? I'll just say that you're totally right, and I think, you know, the concern and care and investment we put into our children is important no matter what uh, economic class yeah. they're born into, and just your examples are 100% right, and you, you can watch, there's a documentary called, um, there were two that came out at the same time a few years ago. One was called Waiting for Superman that focused on yeah. um, uh,
4: the
3: people's efforts to Jeffrey Canada to help low-income kids, and then in the private school world, there was a documentary called Race to Nowhere, which was all about the horrible pressures and um, and the real deep problems that are being caused in really affluent communities when kids yeah. have maybe so many things but all these other pressures and they're not doing well either. So, so you see problems uh, across economic class, but I think you're saying the solution, again, is about how many opportunities we can create for caring adults to spend time with children.
0: Yeah, it's and to
3: really, you know, invest in them, know them, put them in an the opportunity. You don't need a lot of money to do it. Like you are mm-hmm. saying, if you could take the kids to your local library, that's a field trip. If you could take your kids to the public beach, the public park, or the public, you know, hiking trails, those are all new experiences uh, that don't cost very much. And I think that's one thing we want to make sure your your listeners know. That uh, you don't have to have you know twenty thousand dollars and send your kid to a, a camp for ten weeks in Maine, but that there's things right there in Irving and right nearby, and right in every community, great resources and opportunities uh, to learn and expand their skills. And, and the other thing I'll also talk about that matters, that right now is a very hot button issue, but we know it forever, is the term SEL, social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. And that is that in today's workforce and going forward, Your ability to interact with people different than you, to work in a team, to have leadership skills and management skills, all that stuff matters just as much as what you may be able to compute mathematically or how well you write an essay. If you can't work well in a team, you're not going to do well necessarily in a lot of jobs. And so a lot of those skills can be built through our summer learning programs that kids are entering, whether it's sports or these team or theater arts and other things. So there's just so much to be able to learn and practice over the summer.
0: So, let's let's talk about some more practical things that we can do with our kids. One of the things we've talked about in the past is, you know, we go on vacations and sometimes just going to places that have uh, historical significance. So you go to some historical landmarks and, you know, see the battle of such and such happened here. And, you know, just being very um, practical and engaging our kids. So are there some other things that we can do that maybe we do weekly or daily that would help in uh, reducing summer learning loss?
2: So because of the where I am, I tend to focus on the things that are absolutely and completely free.
4: Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Right. So com-
2: right. the the, only, the the cost associated is your time and your willingness to do so. Yes. So you mentioned earlier, Aaron mentioned the the libraries. The public library is a is a fantastic resource. Yeah. Um they have an and I'm a I'm a book person. I'm a book fan. Like a read is a big thing for me. Read and talk about what you've read. Reading is free. You can have you can have online mm-hmm. you can read an online book. You can read an online you can read a cereal box. I don't uh, right. read go to the museum. It's for it's free. Mm-hmm. And there's reading all over the place and the opportunity to talk about and model for your children that you are interested in the world around you Mm -hmm. it's absolutely free to take them to the dallas museum of art and what and just i wouldn't go through the whole thing with very young children but just go through and talk about what you see what you think how you feel about it and let them see that you're reading the little cards on the side to learn more about what you're seeing these are free things um Go take them with you to the grocery store. Absolutely. Cook a meal with them. Ask them. The recipe calls for two-thirds of a cup of Mm -hmm. flour, but I'm only making half of the recipe. I wonder how much flour I should use. Yes. These are free things. It's really um, at the stoplight. How many... How many green cars do you see? Mm -hmm. um, It's it's, it's helping kids understand that learning is all around them. And the experiences to broaden your horizons are as far, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we just have to open up their minds to that possibility as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the free stuff.
0: Yeah, the free, well, and that's, that's what I want to focus on is, you know, things that we can do to just be intentional with our children, you know, just even, you know, you talked about having a paper route, yeah. so, you mm-hmm. know, entrepreneurialism, and, you know, you say you want to get that Xbox, and so how many hours are you going to have to work, what are you going to have to charge for your lawn mowing service in order to, um, to get whatever it is that you're wanting to get, mm-hmm. you know, help them with their math skills in that way and then yeah.
2: per, ha, teach them also to persist when it, when Absolutely. things are hard we tend to we be in it, we are in a an era where we have to save our children from the pain of failure, but Mm -hmm. failure is an opportunity to learn. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you didn't earn enough for your Xbox. We'll put your money you earned this summer in the bank, and next summer you can work some more, and then you can have it. Deferred
0: gratification. There's nothing wrong with it for learning. That's absolutely right. We did a show last week on uh, teaching your child to fail well, so we talked about that quite a bit.
3: If I may also just add, I think one thing that we're touching on here is there's uh, not only the importance and the onus on young people uh, learning, but that we want our adults that are in their lives modeling mm-hmm. that they could still be learning themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you know, we want to dispel this idea that our, you, know, you learn everything you can when you're in formal school and then it stops. And I think if they see adults, and so when we talk about summer learning, I like, like to think about it, not only summer learning, the importance for young people, but also for, for the adults too. And that's what you see, right? You see teachers taking time in their summers and going to conferences because that's when they're going to learn and they're going to improve. And and so that you know we want our parents and our adults and you know the adult role models to just be modeling that if they're reading young people will say okay I should be reading too. If they're going out uh, to museums and trips and stuff and even bring you know people in their lives to come and talk to you. Uh, young people about what the different jobs that they have can you know why do we have like, go visit you know take your kid to work day one day a year you know right. there are other days in the calendar and over the summer where it would be nice this job shadow yeah. and show people uh what people are doing and, and have have kids understand so i just brought in this idea of summer learning is only for kids summer learning is also for adults too. And when they do it together, it's even more powerful.
0: And I loved what you said, Aaron. You know, there's so much focus now on um, standardized testing in schools, and it's, you know, something that we have to do, and Julie just stuck her tongue out. <laughs> but um, there's there's things that we're not able to get to during the school year, um, unfortunately. So summer is a great time to focus more on the arts and, and music and, and different things um, like um, um, job job um, exploration career exploration and things like that so that's just something to keep in mind very good point oh i thought no. you were going to say something okay <laughs> <laughs> um so do you, are you guys familiar with bridge books you know i i don't i'm not familiar with that term Aaron, are you say it
3: again I'm are you sorry, familiar with here?
0: are you familiar with bridge books i am not okay well david is <laughs> david oh, yeah. what are
1: bridge books and whatever they used for so um, bridge books are, um, they're books that, that kind of make the transition from the grade they're coming out of to what they're going into. And they have different mm-hmm. types of activities that help them to review what they learned from the previous year. Now, it's, uh, they're national books, so it's not necessarily geared towards a particular state, no. but uh, just general standards that kids are expected to learn in second grade, fourth grade, and so on. Um, so that they work on the math I just found uh the third grade bridge book for our son Jonathan who just left second Yay. grade um, and I just pulled it out and we're going to we're going to hop on it and just to just to help to build those skills that you know it's still pr- pretty fresh in his mind right now we're only 2 weeks out from school uh and it's going to help him just to go into the fall with confidence uh knowing that he is ready to ready to go um, so it's you know it's it's increasing the vocabulary, increasing the level of difficulty with the reading, uh, helping to you know stop and pause and if there's a word you don't understand, uh, find the definition of it and look it up, um, and it's just a great way to to um, to help to grow um, in reading and mathematics and science, social studies. Uh, so it's a great opportunity, and they only cost about a couple of bucks. Um, at a store may- maybe 10 15 bucks maybe less than that yeah was like maybe 10 yeah and, and so they're really cheap um, and it's a great transition um, now there's gonna probably need some support there uh, just to slap a book in front of a child and say go at it you know that's not gonna necessarily work uh, but it is a very practical way to help kids work through the summer on those core academic skills that you know, we've been talking about as well in addition to everything else we've been, we've been doing mm-hmm. as well
3: you know, Dan, I'll just add also just uh, since that's a great resource for your listeners and for everyone, um, there's a great partner. We have a big investor in this topic and, and education called the Wallace Foundation, and I would encourage everyone to go onto their website. They've invested a lot in creating toolkits, uh, focused on helping especially parents and over the summer to have different ideas and act, uh, access to different resources. Uh, so the Wallace Foundation has created a lot of the Google the Wallace foundation they will find go to go their website and uh, also the rand corporation just put out mm. some research also showing uh... the importance of this investment of this time period and what we could be doing and then to just echo your point about the bridge um Not only the year-to-year bridge uh, building that you want to do, and those books sound terrific, uh, but also especially around transitions of specific schooling. So if Mm. you're going from elementary to middle school, that summer, there's a lot of anxiety
4: for young Mm. people, for
3: kids getting ready. What is middle school? I'm going from the biggest to the smallest. and. You know, we all know, you know, a sixth grader could look completely different than an eighth grader, and they're all put in the same building, right? And and then similarly, if you're going from eighth middle school into high school, that summer is a make or break time for all of us to be investing in our young people. To say to That's the summer when they're nervous, they want to know study skills, things get a little bit more serious, uh, rather the stakes are higher. And kids are trying to figure out who they are as individuals and, and figuring out which way do I want to go. And so investing that summer before ninth grade and saying, hey, this is what it takes to graduate. This is, these are the classes you're going to want to be. These are the skill sets you're going to need. These are the activities you could join. You might want to practice so you could try out all these different kinds of things. That summer, getting them ready. There's a lot of value in us putting in more effort and energy around that time as they get ready. And then the last part is about before college, and I think we've, there's research that calls it the summer melt, where there's yeah. so too many kids who are getting into college and at the end of their senior year, and then because no adults are checking in on them over that summer, after high school, before college, this is melt they're not showing up to enroll freshman year. And then we need to do more for people at these other bridge points. Uh, in their lives.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, let me just add a couple little quick things here. One thing I've noticed with my, uh, with working with kids with test prep, uh, especially the juniors, uh, pre juniors, pre seniors, um, is a lot of the skills on the SATs and ACTs are skills they haven't seen since sixth or seventh grade, mm-hmm. uh, literally. And so they may have mastered it when they were in that grade level, but if they haven't used it in no a like proportions and you know uh different types of problems like that uh, uh you know probability, some of those things they haven't seen in, in a long time um, i'm I'm going over stuff with them, and they're like, "I kind of remember that, but you know, and so um even with and this is for parents, if you have a high school student, uh, make sure that they are fresh on those skills because they it will come back again it does it's not just done, and then that's it. Uh, then another thing is, uh, just as a challenge, if you are uh, heading into your senior year, that you don't slack off with the courses you take, that you don't take patty cake mm-hmm. courses uh, your senior year, which I've seen at, at times. I'm <laughs> sorry, I I'm, did that. I'm, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, because you know, senior year is okay. They think I'm done. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ready to wrap it up here. But if you're on a college preparatory curriculum. Mm-hmm. The purpose of senior year is to get you ready for college. That that's the last push to get you ready academically to go into your freshman year. So if you're not taking mathematics in your senior year, well, you know what? You're gonna probably take what you took your sophomore year in uh, in a remedial course. Um, so these and, are just pay for your high right, school class, and, and, right? And now, and now you got to pay for it. Now it's a glorified high school course you're paying for in college. Um, these are just th- these just came to my head as we're talking about other ways, other gaps, test prep gaps. Um, and then that final push to get into college.
2: If, if I can add, th- this is more of the social emotional part that we're. Um I've met as an elementary principal, I had parents that understood, you know, my child is five, my child is seven. I need to be deeply involved. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come to every parent Mm -hmm. event. I'm going to read with them at night. Then when I moved to middle school, they're like, oh, well, they know they're old enough. They're on their own now. And and I've never been a high school administrator, but I know it's even more pronounced there. I used to tell my parents, your children are, they're they're only halfway done. You aren't, your role is has to go all the way through college with them. It's going to look different when they're five than when they're 15 or when they're 20, mm-hmm. but you have a role the entire right. time. And so um, their natural inclination, it's a developmentally appropriate thing for them to try to push you away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in terms of helping with those things like you're uh, preparing, bridging from one level to the next or continuing social uh, school learning or just life learning throughout their life, they try to push you away, don't let them. That's my best advice for parents. The more they push away, pull in, find other ways to engage with them because they are not ready to know. They don't have the their foresight. Their brains aren't fully developed they're yet. Not, they're for, <laughs> I'm tapping my forehead because right. their frontal lobes aren't even all the way finished yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have the foresight to know that if I slack off my senior year, I'm going to pay for it later. Mm-hmm. We have to stay involved in that. Um, supporting good, positive decision-making a lot longer than many parents
0: realize yeah Yeah. that's so good so let's just take a quick break to just say if you have any questions or comments we are not taking calls today but if you're listening to us on fishbowl radio network we would love for you to log on to facebook and go to at noggin foundation that's n-o-g-g-i-n foundation and ask us any question you like we already have several people listening online so um, those that are already um, watching online if you have any questions go ahead and type those in so um, as a parent we know that the school year can be pretty stressful for parents and children Um, isn't this a great time for us just to relax um Or how my question is, how do we strike a balance between giving giving them a chance to recharge and relax and um, also learn?
2: well you're asking the I'm like a champion world-class geek here so for me learning (laughs) is fun um, but it's fun for me because it I mean and that's what we need to try to find learning doesn't have to be sitting in a chair right uh, completing rows and rows of math products uh, or uh, reading a passage and answering questions in fact for summer please you know Limit that at, yes. at, at the very least, but uh, so if we can find a way again to make learning real, mm-hmm. um, interesting, engaging, um, you're, it's sort of camo learning. Keep it yeah. camouflage. That's good. Trick them. Really yeah. <laughs> Trick them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Learning. Trick em. Yes. They won't even know it. They'll think they're we're just having a right. great conversation and having some fun.
3: Mm-hmm. But uh, all of that uh, is kind of premise on this idea that we're empowering our students to find something that they care about, and like you were saying, you know, you know, help them develop their passions, find their passions, and then, you know, they will then pursue it. And so, what the difference between having a five-year-old in your program and a thirteen-year-old? Five-year-old really has no choice if the parent decides to send them to the program; they're going to be there. But thirteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old, now they're big enough to get home on their own or walk away. And that, and, and like you were saying earlier, that's a precise time. When they are looking for some direction, and that's exactly when parents are usually like, "All right, he's big enough, she's old enough. I'll leave them alone." But there are other people that, that can be recruited into this process. And near peer mentors, you know, peer,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, support matters so much. But kids looking for role models who are usually like two steps ahead. So if you're in middle school, a college student is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. If you're in elementary school, a high school student is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. By the way, to graduate high school, you need to get volunteer hours, a lot of which are done over the summer. So there are a lot of high school kids who are looking for projects where they could work with younger people, a lot of college students, for maybe for their majors. So there's a lot of other resources that parents could find that's beyond themselves where people, uh, where young kids can and, and young people could get entered into programs. So I would look at here also, we were talking about libraries, museums, parks and rec. I would also look at your local college campus, your local college is a ton of programs. The soccer team's running a program. Mm-hmm. The music department's running a program mm-hmm. for young people. So there's a lot to tap into, and sometimes it's not so expensive. Uh, so just it's just interesting to think about, like, all the different opportunities out there and how to keep it going. But the kids vote with their feet, so it has to be engaging. You know, they can't. They're not different than school. It's against the law not to go to school. It's not against the law to not go to a summer program. And so we have to. The onus is on us to make it creative and and get them to feel a sense of ownership and leadership like they're in charge.
0: So as a parent, how do I kind of set goals for the summer? How do I know what objectives I really want to, um, to meet during the summer? You know, we don't want to make this uh, like we're not homeschooling them over mm-hmm. the summer, but how do we kind of determine what it is that we want to teach them during the summer?
2: I think it varies by your child. So if your child is already – uh, walking along through school and everything is going well. I th- um, I think what you already are doing for your own children with your, the bridge books and mm-hmm. just helping to keep school at the forefront uh, or not school. Um, I'm going to take that back completely, <laughs> not school, uh, but just exploring and engaging Arning. and, and doing some critical thinking. That's a beautiful thing. If your child is uh, more struggling, you may have to be more structured in your approach. Um, but I, if, I don't want to give the impression that anybody should be sitting at their kitchen table, you know, here's how you do this quadratic equation because you didn't learn it in algebra this year. Um, That's really not an expectation that most of the many parents can support at any rate. So um, I will. (laughs) Yeah, you can. (laughs) You'll be ready. Um, I would have to have you teach me. and (laughs) then But if you want to work on reading, I'm your girl. (laughs) Um, So the, um, the, it, if, I think it depends a lot. I think we need to limit the amount of time kids are sitting in front of TV. I think we need to limit the amount of time kids are sitting still. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to be up and moving around um, and creating and playing. Uh, you all started the year talking, uh, in starting the program, talking about what you did in the summer. I played yeah, a lot
0: mm-hmm. yeah. with
2: my sisters and our neighbors and um, playing creative play and, and dramatic, I mean, that's just a great learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Way better than,
3: um, you know, on the phone, playing. that and there's a lot of research to back that up, for sure. And I I couldn't agree with you more about the importance of play and getting kids to be physically active, especially kids who are not maybe star athletes, by Mm -hmm. the way. And hiking is a form of uh, of physical activity, and so is dance and all these other things. But I I think you were asking before about metrics, uh, you know, how do you measure your goals around the summer? You know, you could do it, how many books did you read, how many, you know, how much physical activity did you get. But I, I think a real key to keep in mind about summer, and this is where summer is so uniquely well positioned, is about what project did you accomplish mm-hmm. and be project-based. Oh, and so great. then everything that's makes good. sense. Did you build, did you learn everything you need to do so you could have built that huge thing in the backyard? Mm-hmm. Or did you, you know, do what you needed to do so then you were prepared to go and, and take this trip or go? and put on this thing for the elderly, or whatever you were trying to do. So I would try and find a project that you could build a lot of learning around, and, and you know, that will build up people's leadership skills and kind of, again, their sense of efficacy, their sense of ownership for themselves about why they're learning what they are in class and how it connects to their own skill sets and their own passions and, and finding almost like a community service element to whatever they're doing. You mm. know, do you want to play basketball? Fine. But like, why don't you organize a basketball game where you raise money for ABC? You know, you want to be a performer? Fine. Practice singing, and then we're going to go to the Senior Citizen Center, and you're going to mm. do something. So you come up with a project that's kind of a culminating end uh, you know, to all their wonderful efforts.
0: That's great. And and give them the opportunity to take ownership, because I know when we give tasks to our kids, Mm -hmm. it becomes more difficult. And I think that's an adult thing as well. But when you give them a project and they can take ownership of something, then uh, they really get more into it and want to accomplish it more.
1: Yeah. Uh, So next question is, uh, if if my child attends summer school, um, is that enough? Or, would, or should he or she continue learning all summer? So let's just say, unfortunately, uh, they um, needed to pass the state exam or maybe they failed a course or two and they need to take courses. Or even if they're taking some for enrichment and they go to these classes d- during the day, um, should that be it? Or should what are your thoughts on going beyond that?
0: Yeah, how long is summer school? Ours is seven days.
1: That's it. That's oh. all.
2: Well, <laughs> now I, I will take that back. It's uh, it varies depending on why you're what summer school you're mm-hmm. in and uh-huh. why you're there. But it's really um, most often a very limited time, and yeah. it's also very focused on a specific task.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. And I
2: think the learning we've been talking about today is not necessarily that task. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the and my answer would just. In general, be no, that's not enough because mm-hmm. it's really there's so much more, the experiential learning, the project based learning, all of those things that aren't happening in summer school at all. yeah
3: yeah, and i think I think there's also, again, to keep referencing research, well there's been a lot of data to show that it's the combination of academics and enrichment mm-hmm. uh, and experiences where then help people do better academically. so, uh, summer school is necessary and important for sure, especially if you're making up uh, you know, classes where you struggled or you need to learn the material, but you don't want to stop there. Just to, to, to emphasize what we just heard is like you want to make sure that there's a connection to the real world and that there's other places and avenues for some young person to find their passion and that's something. And then the academics make sense. I'm learning math because, hey, I want to be a business person and I need to know it or I'm learning English and by the way I love to talk to my friends all day and maybe I'll become a broadcaster I'm gonna be able to write well <laughs> you know right. so, or I'm interested in lots of questions, right? So it's all about connecting dots and for the learning. For sure summer school is necessary, but it's it's interesting also uh to, to make sure that we're careful not to make it this punishment and a stigmatized horrible uh, experience that, you know, only certain kids who are you know really failing get required to take summer school and they don't want to be there and everyone kind of looks at them and like why are you here and all this stuff and we're trying to say hey there could be a better way to create that experience if that does exist and then what about all the other kids who are not being forced to be there, but we want them to have a good experience. And, and our model that we see most often that's most successful is this combination of academics in the morning and, you know, art, music, enrichment, sports in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. That's when we, and, and, and for a lengthy period of time, four to six, eight weeks, you know, that's, you'll see a lot of big results from that, and that will incorporate everything else we've been discussing.
1: Alright. Uh, what, o- what online resources can you recommend for families um, to help? I know we talk about limiting screen time and stuff, but you know, there are some great resources that are available online that are either low cost or, or free. Uh, what are some that, that you personally recommend that you've seen have been helpful in keeping kids engaged uh, during the summer months?
3: Well, and there's, besides curriculum and, and online tools, which we could make sure we make available, there, there's a lot, whether it's from Khan Academy, but there's, uh, that's online. But, that you know, you have all these great partners in all communities, right? We have our YMCA's, our Boys and Girls Clubs. There's a group called Horizons National that are running programs, Breakthrough uh, for Learning um, Bells running programs. So there's all these wonderful partner groups. And, and so I would, uh, you know, recommend people check out those groups and find out what they're offering and what's available, also your local parks and rec. Um, But then if you want an actual real curriculum and and resources, again, like I mentioned, the Wallace Foundation has a ton. Um, We will be able to also help direct people, people who want to contact the National Summer Learning Association. We have trained staff, program teams who are really keeping their ear to the ground and have a sense of what's working all over. We give out awards every uh, year to innovative, effective programs. And those programs are going to be listed on our website. But also, our staff can direct people to you know, tell us where you are. And we can try and help you locate the best opportunities for your kids.
2: I'm just going to second that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, uh, one, 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 one last quick question is, so let's say uh, I'm a parent and I work two or three jobs. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single parent. Um, I'm a parent, uh, and both of us work executive jobs. Um, we don't have the time to invest in our children, uh, for whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you recommend and suggest as far as supporting those parents?
2: I, I've already said I, I I just can't overstate the value of reading with, to, in front of, mm. next to your children, 20 minutes even even most of our busiest people can set aside 20 minutes at least a few days a week you don't have to do even read let, let them see that you're reading you could be reading what you need to read for work if you need to get that done right uh you can be reading planning your dinner so you're reading planning your menus for the week so you're reading recipes mm-hmm. uh, but let them see you let them interact with you about the reading while they're reading and then take a moment to interact with them about what they've read Reading is, because and and speaking and listening about what you've read, Mm -hmm. it's such a powerful learning tool because you don't have to leave your couch and you can go everywhere in the world through a book and you can learn so much. It doesn't matter what we're reading. I used to tell parents, I don't care if they're reading fiction, nonfiction, newspapers, magazines, cereal boxes, road signs, anything. The interaction that is created with the reading it's just an invaluable tool for learning, Absolutely. always.
0: So we are going to have a lot of um, the resources that we mentioned on our website, schooldaysshow.com. We will have some online resources. We'll also have a link to the National Summer Learning Association. Let me ask you, Aaron, um, for National Summer Learning Week, um, how do I find out what's happening in my area? Can I put in my zip code somewhere? Uh,
3: well, we will, we will be uh, making sure that we're finding out all these events that are happening and letting people know. So we will have that information on our website, uh, summerlearning.org. But also that in your local community, again, if people want to reach out, there's usually uh, an after-school state after-school network for every state. So in Texas, it's text post. They wouldn't know all the different um, uh, opportunities and events going on, I would, I would think and that there are also these other groups that we were talking about, whether it's from the school district or the Parks and Rec and library, they'll know what events they're putting on and and letting people uh, plug in and and join. And I think just to answer that question previously about what do you do if you are the dad or mom working two, three jobs and you have no time, I think the thing that they should take comfort in is that there are free programs out there or low-cost free programs available, that they should also know that even if they don't have time, there are other caring adults. And organizations mm-hmm. that are making themselves available to put in the time with their kids, mm-hmm. and so we just got to make sure that they we connect those resources to uh, our parents, and they know, hey, they might not have be around to do it, but they could get their kid into a program where there will be adults to make sure their kids keep learning all summer.
0: Oh, awesome! That's great. So unfortunately we are out of time. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I think that this was a great episode. We we gave them a lot of information here. Um, so what we always want to do right now is talk about what's going on with Noggin Educational Coaching and Noggin Educational Foundation. What's going on with Noggin Coaching, Dave? Uh,
1: so uh, as I alluded to earlier in the episode, uh, this is a great opportunity to freshen up on those skills that um, for, 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 for test prep, uh... students that are getting ready to take the SATs or the PSATs in the fall uh... particularly if you're taking the uh... PSAT eight or nine for eighth and ninth graders um... they kinda assess where you are right now or PSAT 10 they have a comparable version for the ACT as well it's a great time just to start brushing up on those skills uh... that you need to get a stronger foundation so that when you go into the fall uh... you'll be prepared and also just uh... reviewing old skills that maybe you missed out on during the school year you need to touch up on or getting ahead as well. Uh, this is a great opportunity. Uh, we have coaches that are, are ready uh, to work with your child, and uh, we come to you and you know look, kind of look at your environment to see you know how can we enhance learning at home. Uh, what are some obstacles that are getting in the way as well? So uh, if you want to find out more, reach out to us. Um, you can e- e- email us at info um, at noggineducation
0: And with Noggin Educational Foundation, on Monday, we start our Summer Math and Reading Program, SPARC, that stands for Summers Producing Academically Ready Kids. It's a six-week math and and reading program, and we need volunteers. So if you're here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, um, this is a great opportunity for you to work with some students. We have students from K through middle school, Um, and also, you know, If you're a student, it's a great opportunity to um, help reduce summer learning loss by actually working with kids and helping them read and helping them uh, with their math skills. So if you're interested in that, feel free to email me at info at com. So Dave, what's happening next week?
1: So next week, uh, we will be on our second week of our of our summer program Sparks so we'll play the best of school days this will be the first time we've done that uh, since we started the show. So if you missed our episode with the scholarship lady you'll want to tune in to find uh, find out tips for getting the money you need to pay for college and this is what you'll learn is you know it's not just for juniors and seniors but even for middle schoolers and early high schoolers as well so um, please uh, tune in next week uh, to find out how to get money uh, for college.
0: And as always, we want to tell you to head to our show schooldayshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and really anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. And also, we want to remind you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. And lastly, we always want to end our show by saying that we are parenting by grace, David and I, we depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you'd like to know more about that, feel free to email us at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.